Well, this morning, we're going to continue to look at the power of words. And today, in particular, I want to talk to you about confession. And one of my favorite confession <laughs> stories is about the time that a pastor went to visit a lady that we'll just call Ms. Johnson. Now, Ms. Johnson was elderly and she was recovering from surgery. And as the pastor visited with her, he looked down and guess what he saw? A bowl full of peanuts. And he saw these peanuts and the thing is he loved peanuts and he hadn't eaten anything all day long. And so as Ms. Johnson went on talking about her family, the pastor reached down, just scooped up some of the peanuts and popped them in his mouth. And uh, as Ms. Johnson went on talking about uh, uh, her uh, time as a school teacher, the pastor took a few more peanuts. And then about halfway into her telling him about her petunias, the pastor finished off the bowl of peanuts. Now, it felt awful, just, just terrible about eating all of her peanuts. And he knew that he ought to say something, but he was just too embarrassed. And as he was getting ready to leave, he just had to confess. And he said, Miss Johnson, I, I do now have a confession to make. I saw your peanuts there and I just couldn't help myself. I'm afraid I've eaten the whole bowl of them. And Ms. Johnson replied, well, that's okay, son. I know just how you feel. I love them too. And people give them to me. And uh, the only problem is that anymore with my false teeth, I can't eat them. I'm afraid that the only thing I can do is suck the chocolate off of them. <laughs> Sometimes we find out more than we want to know when it comes time for confession. But the thing is, confession is an extremely part, uh, extremely important part of our lives. Now, last week we talked about the fact that our words have power. They can hurt and they can bless. But the power of words reaches much further than the impact that they make on our emotions. Our words have supernatural power, power that changes circumstances and shapes destinies. In fact, it's our unique ability to use words that separates us from the rest of God's creation. Now, just a little more review from last Sunday. We talked last Sunday about how we are created in God's image. And uh, it was not just in thoughts, but words that God used to uh, bring creation about. And uh, he used, he spoke, it says, the world into existence. When he said, let there be light, there was light. So words are the way that God works. And Hebrews 11.3 uh, describes it like this. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that uh, things which are seen 
were not made from things which already appear. Words, our words, because we're made in God's image, have power. They have creative power, and on the other side, they have destructive power. They are spiritual, and they carry this power. We see this in salvation in the passage we read this morning. You see, when a lost man or woman declares Jesus as the Lord of their life, all of a sudden, something spiritual happens, but it's not before they speak. And as Paul says it, uh, he says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Notice it says mouth and heart, not just heart, mouth and heart. With thy, and it goes on and he says, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is not going to be complete until you speak, until you profess, until you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, you've got to say it out loud. Uh, about four weeks ago, I mentioned there's no such thing as a Lady Clairol Christian. And somebody came over to me and said, what's a Lady Clairol Christian? How many of y'all know what Lady Clairol is? Let's see your hand. Okay, good, good. About 40, 60% of you know Lady Clairol is a brand of hair color. And uh, back 40 years ago, uh, one of the commercials was the, it, the, the whole saying of the commercial was only her hairdresser knows for sure. Couldn't tell by just looking whether that person had had their hair colored or not. Well, no such thing as Lady Clairol Christians. Uh, Christians, it should be obvious that you're a Christian. You can't be a secret Christian. Jesus has said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my heavenly Father. Have you ever thought about when that happens? When's, is that going to be on, on Judgment Day? No. The moment that you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior with your mouth, at that moment, he says, Father, they're ours. You see that? If you confess me before men, see? Not just in a closet somewhere. If you confess me before men, then I will confess you before my heavenly Father. So, it's got to be, it's our words have eternal impact on our lives. And then, as we continue uh, with our words confessing Jesus, we will wind up impacting people around us as well. Uh, 
I don't know if you, well, there are two different things that I want to look at quickly this morning. First is our words are connected with our salvation whenever we confess Him. Next, it's connected with our forgiveness. Once we've confessed Him, becoming perfect is something that takes a while. We're not made perfect overnight. We're still going to mess up. But anytime that we sin, we wind up damaging our relationship with God. And the way that that relationship is healed and restored is whenever we are willing to confess our sins to Him. And uh, you've told me, I've told you before, we need to keep short accounts with God. Don't let your sins build up. Don't just continue to uh, uh, try to hide from God. If you have sinned, He knows it. But just like Adam and Eve were separated from God by their sin, and they wanted to hide from Him, the longer you let sin go unconfessed, the harder it is to come before God. And so there's great power also in confessing our sin because it restores our relationship uh, with God. So uh, confession, just kind of give you a little detail here. In the Bible, confession can be seen both in the sense of affirming the truth, such as what we've heard in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's also used in the sense of admission of our sin to God. So our relationship with him can be healed. Uh, if we confess our sins, it says in 1 John 9, 10, if we confess our sins, he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the New Testament, the idea of confession is saying the same thing. The two, there's two, a combination, two Greek words, omo, which means the same, and logos, which means thought or word. Now, as a language major and a linguistic student, uh, I learned a long time ago, language, and when you look at the science of language, words are verbal symbols of thoughts that we're trying to convey. Verbal symbols. And somehow, whenever we say them out loud, as we've been talking about, they have power. And so that's what it means whenever Jesus was talking about, it's what comes out of your heart. Because what comes out of your heart is you're out of your mouth, your words, and they are symbols representing and conveying meaning to other people of what's in your heart, whether it's good or it's bad. He says, for out of a good man, out of his good treasure in his heart, brings forth what is good. The evil person, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what's evil out of their heart. And so that's why he can say, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Make your heart right and everything else is going to be right. So uh, in the New Testament, it has this idea 
of basically agreeing with God and saying those things that are in accordance with what God wants and what God says and what God wills. Confession begins by calling sin, sin. You know, uh, there are some people that have a hard time with this. They will call sin anything but sin. Have you noticed that? I mean, sin is a word that's lost uh, a place in the Christian vocabulary in, in many realms today. It's popular these days to refer to sins as mistakes. I made a mistake. Or I've been making some bad choices. Well, you know what? Sin is always a mistake, and sinning is always a bad choice. But they're not the same thing. They're not equivalent. There's a big difference. And uh, let's see, like turning onto a wrong way street and going the wrong way, that's a mistake. Okay? Uh, pouring salt in your coffee, thinking it was sugar, that's a mistake. Uh, mistyping a web address and ending up at the wrong website, that's a mistake. It's not a sin. It's a mistake. Okay. Uh, these are all legitimate mistakes. They happen when we get distracted or careless. And uh, everybody makes mistakes. But sin is more than a mistake or a bad choice. It's a deliberate choice to know what you know, to do what you know is wrong. That is sin. And so... Uh, I'll give you an example how we need to call sin, sin. Uh, there's a guy named Frank, walked up to his pastor one day and said, Preacher, I am having a hard time. I, I tend to stretch the truth a little bit. And the pastor said, oh, I can help you with that. Let's just pray about it together. And so they knelt together and Frank said, Lord, I've just got a little bit of difficulty in stretching things some. And uh, the pastor said, hold it right there. Why don't you just tell the Lord that you've been sinning by lying? Do you see the difference? You can kind of sugarcoat and candy coat it and try to turn it into something it's not. But what old Frank was doing was he was lying. He was committing the sin of lying. And that's what he needed to confess. We need to embrace the truth when it comes to the things in our own lives. Confession involves seeing ourselves as we really are and acknowledging it. When there is confession, God is reverenced and he's praised. Uh, when there is confession, sin is acknowledged. When there is confession, faith is declared. And you voice your agreement and your concurrence with God about yourself. And as you can do that, then you can wind up voicing your concurrence and your agreement with God that through Jesus' precious blood, your sins can be forgiven. Mistakes don't need to be forgiven, usually. 
bad choices sometimes. But the thing is, sin must be forgiven. Sin has to be dealt with. This is the, over and over in the scripture. We see this. There's the the story of the Pharisee and the, and the publican that uh, uh, that Jesus told about the two men that went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. It says the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And then Jesus says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you know what Jesus said? He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Confession, you see, also involves seeing God as he really is. We see ourselves as we really are. We see God as he really is. And whenever we see those two things clearly, and then we start to confess them and confess who we are. God can do something. Until we'll accept the truth, the Lord can't do anything to help us because we're going to stay away from Him. We can't draw near to Him. Uh, in Isaiah 6, we read another uh, depiction of confession. In that year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, and with each and each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah saw the Lord as the Lord really is. And whenever he saw the Lord as the Lord really is, all of a sudden he could see himself as he really is, and he confesses, Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I heard one person say one time, here's my Old Testament, Old Testament theology teacher. He said that uh, what he's saying here is, uh, I go to church on Sunday and I say the Apostles' Creed, and then I live like the devil all week. I'm a man of unclean lips. Religious words come out of my mouth, but my heart's not right. And all the people around me are in the same boat because they don't know and don't see God as He really is. And all of a sudden, He sees God as He is, and He knows how He is, and He knows that He's in trouble, and He's in great need. 
And he says, I am ruined. Now that word ruined, whatever it's that word, woe is me, is the word, oi! You know, it's uh, like if you're wearing a really pretty, totally white dress, and all of a sudden, you accidentally swipe it with an indelible marker, what can be done with that dress? It's no good to wear anymore, is it? It's not going to come out. There's no saving it. It's messed up. And this is the way Lord saw his life, that Isaiah saw his life. He realized that his sin had messed up his life. Something had to be done about it, and he couldn't do anything about it. And so he says, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King of glory. We live in an age where few confess. They just don't want to admit the truth. And even when they do something wrong, they just say, well, let's just forget about it and go on. And there's great power that they are missing in their lives by trying to just walk away from their sin and ignore it instead of doing something about it by confessing it. Confession helps us realize the truth, embrace the truth, and accept the truth because it is an admission of the truth. You remember the story of the little boy in the emperor's new clothes? Everyone knew he was naked, but the emperor refused to believe uh, that he wasn't wearing these new fine clothes. He believed that he was wearing beautiful clothes. And we can convince ourselves of just about anything, can't we? It doesn't matter what we believe, though. It's what the truth is. And uh, as we say from time to time, and as it said in Scripture, thy word is truth. Confession releases us from guilt when nothing else can and that's the bottom line. Nothing else can. It says in, in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5, this is a testimony of David after he had sinned horribly and wound up killing one of his best friends, committing adultery with his wife. Then he says these words, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not account against him and in whose spirit, listen to this, is no deceit. A spirit that embraces the truth, you see, in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, if we don't confess, 
will carry an oppressive weight of guilt around with us. It will affect us spiritually. It will affect us emotionally. It will affect us mentally. And it will affect us physically after time. Confession shows our reliance on the Lord. Whenever we uh, come to that place where we realize that there's nothing we can do, that only the Lord can forgive our sin, that really our lives, we can't manage them. We need Him. As it says in the hymn, I need Thee every hour. That's one of the things we have to confess. And uh, confession shows our reliance and acknowledges our reliance on Him. We can't keep out of sin without His help. When we confess, we admit that God's way is the right way. God's way is the best way. And ultimately, God's way is the only way that we're going to be at rest and at peace in this world. It's easy for us to keep trying our own way, but it keeps us bound. It keeps us committing the same mistakes over and over again as long as we deny the truth. Reminds me of the story of the two hunters that hired a small plane to take him to a remote area of Canada. And as he dropped off the hunters, the pilot told them, remember, only one moose because the plane won't be able to take off with more, than, more weight than that. And so the hunters go off and a week later, when the plane returns to pick him up, the hunters are standing there with two, is it moose? Not meese, right? With two it's not mooses, it's moose. Okay, all right. With two moose. Okay, the pilot is just fuming. And uh, he says, I told you guys only one moose and uh, you're going uh, to uh, uh, you're gonna have to leave one because we just won't be able to take off with that much weight. Oh, come on, the two hunters said. Last year, the pilot let us take two moose. You're just a chicken and not one to be accused of being a coward. The pilot allows the two to bring both of the moose onto the craft. The plane starts out across the lake, straining to take off. And the pilot tries and tries to no avail as they run out of room and the plane crashes into the trees at the end of the lake. A while later, uh, after coming to, one of the hunters gets up and he looks all at all the scattered debris and the wreck and says, where are we? And the other one looks around and replies, oh, I'd say about a hundred yards further than we were last year. <laughs> See, we're doomed to keep making the same mistakes if we won't admit we're doomed to continue uh, and just an insanity if we won't admit that we've done the wrong thing. Sin separates us from God. Confession restores our relationship with God. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he is, you have been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish 
and free from accusation. Confession is the first step that brings about change. Without it, we're never going to really be motivated to change. Until we admit how horrible our sin is, we're content to continue in it. I'm just going to stop right there and just say one more time, confession brings true sanity to our lives. It frees us from the bondage and slavery of sin. Confession restores our relationship with God. Confession opens the door into his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, confession is a powerful thing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you make it clear in your word the avenues that we have into your kingdom. We thank you. You've made it clear that it begins when we're willing to confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We thank you that you help us to keep our slate clean with you and to stay in touch with you as we are willing to confess our sin to you. Forgive us, we pray, for those times when we have just clung to our sin instead of confessing and being freed from it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.